Welcome to Beauty Uncut, the podcast. I'm Shania. I'm Kayla. And I'm Ian. And we're here to bring a new perspective to beauty. Today's podcast is part two of breast complications. Is that right? Part two of infinity. Of infinity. (laughs) Out of 10. There's probably going to be about 10 podcasts of complications after surgery. Mm. But first. But first. I believe you have a fun story. Which one of my fun stories do you want? The one about my friend saying that I look different on camera, the one where I've gone blind, the one where I've cut my finger off. Which one? I think go in that order. All right. (laughs) So I actually had lunch with one of my friends the other day and she saw me in person. She's like, oh, wow, okay, you look so different in person. She was like, I thought you were going to look like how you did on the podcast. And she was like, you look so different in those videos. And I was like, all right, well, where's this going? And she said that I looked very round in the videos that you've been posting. I put oh. a round filter on. Just on me? Yeah. I know that the I know that the camera is supposed to add 10 kilos. 10 pounds. Oh. How much is 10 pounds? I'm not in sure. like reference to kilos. All right, yeah. I'm just gonna I don't say know. 10 kilos. But it doesn't look like 10 kilos on you guys. On me, I genuinely look like a different human being. I remember when Ian showed me the last clip that we posted, (laughs) I was like, I do not look like this, right? And he was like, no, but it wasn't a convincing no. (laughs) So anyway, it was very humbling to hear that I don't look like what I do on the video and she's telling me I look like shit. But it was kind of a compliment at the same time because she was like, thank God you look better in person. (laughs) Like it was almost like a sigh of relief. Well, that's good. And, and that's why I've, I've always said, I think we need to start getting ready for a live podcast with an audience. Yes. So that they can see that you not, are not as round I'm as, not as, as round. potentially and she, well, you come across. Well, she also said I look like a baby. She was like, you look so young on camera. Uh-huh. Well, that's good. That's around, good. Around, <laughs> around baby. Around baby. I don't think it was a compliment. I don't look like young as in like, you know, 21. I look like a little Just chubby two-year-old. <laughs> The live audience, I just don't think Shania and I are up for it yeah. just yet. We'll be like, cut that in. Oh, wait. Mm. But the thing about having a live audience is we can then say, hey, let's just open it up for questions and yeah, I feel like that put could, it on them. Yeah, Put it on them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, We think it's a good idea, but I just, I think we need a little we, bit more practice. Yeah. yeah. Give know, us a couple more seasons. If anyone's listening and you think we're we're ready for a live podcast and you want to attend an event, an exclusive mm. live recording of Beauty Uncut, let us know. Yeah. Or a VIP party because I've been rooting for that since yeah. the start. Like, Maybe I'm, we should I'm do ready a one to year. have a launch party. You know, it's it's going going to be coming up to one year since we launched. Crazy. Like in a couple months. Kind of. Five, October. Five months. We, I think six we, months. That's still no, four, a couple four months. months. Four do you months. know what? That will up. fly by before yeah. we it. It will. We're going to be, you know, you're going to be DJing at a pool party for us. <laughs> you mean DJ Wang will be DJ DJing. Wang DJ will Wang. be recording a set for us. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. Second thing on the agenda. Yeah. So I had my follow-up glaucoma appointment today. I went blind. Was messaging you guys being like, oh, my God, I can't see. And I messaged Shania and I was like, hey, don't worry about picking me up. Like I'm getting an Uber. And then I walk into work and they're like talking about some Spider-Man bite. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I thought it was like a patient that I had a bite from a spider, which was happening. Which, yeah. Turns out I messaged Shania being like, hey, all good. Spider-Man bite. No, didn't even know I messaged you that until I was told. Yeah. Now, can you can you read? Okay. So, the <laughs> so I got a message from Kayla 
I'm and like, you've said, got to pick me up because my I was so blind that I couldn't see like the Uber. Like I was scared <laughs> that I was going to walk out and not get in the right car because yeah. I was when they put like the eye drops in. Like she's like, yeah, it'll be a bit blurry. I'm talking like I couldn't see. Like it was like like that. Mm. I don't know. I've had my eyes dilated as well, but I you just don't it, feel like it was this that is dramatic. How I, this is how I felt. I I don't put this on the camera, but this is how I felt like. When someone goes like that to their eye, that's how it was like. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I couldn't read any text, but yeah. Quote unquote, she says this. Don't pick me up. I finished early, so I got a Spider-Man bite. <laughs> <laughs> and then I walk in. I just don't know how Uber auto-corrected to Spider-Man bite. I don't know. And I then really don't it was know. funny because then Kayla came into my room and said, I couldn't see. She was telling me how she couldn't see. And I said, I know, Spider-Man bite, right? And she's like, what are you talking about? I had no about? idea what he was talking about. I thought he was talking about some patient that had a spider bite and then turns out it was me. That's so funny. Yeah. <sighs> I wish I could tell about this, how like the lady told me I'm not allowed to be strangled, but that's okay. I won't put that on the podcast. <laughs> so anyone out there listening, if you feel like strangling Kayla, don't. don't. Because she's not I've allowed. got early onset glaucoma and you're not allowed to strangle me. Doctor says no. Doctor says no. <laughs> what was my third thing again? You almost cut off your finger. Oh, yeah. I guess that's not that exciting. I just clipped it. <laughs> it's still there. Cool. But wait, you said you have something exciting to tell us. Yeah, it's, it's not really exciting, but it's oh. a story that I thought you guys would find interesting and maybe the audience would find interesting as well. So our, our associate, DJ Wang, excellent DJ, right? He's just purchased some new equipment for his DJing, oh. some, some speakers. And when he bought those speakers... It came, there's a promotion for a free podcast microphone. Stop it. Oh, yes. That microphone is the Shure SM7B. Now, if you're in the podcast world, you know that is like the best podcast microphone you can get. Yeah. Why is it so good? It's just the quality of the sound that comes out of it. The retails for like $700 or something like that. Oh, wow. And you got that for free. And so DJ Wang gave me that microphone. Are you using it right now? No, I'm not. I'm using, (laughs) were you all using the same mic? Yeah. this is where my moral dilemma comes in. <laughs> Who's getting the good mic? <laughs> I was like, do I come in and change my setup, put that mic you on? Should. And then- we'll sound like shit. <laughs> Ian sounds like really God. good. So at the moment, it's just sitting in my house in its box. You should bring it in. I'll bring it in. Maybe we can we can do a a test. A, a trial. Every time we speak, we just pass the microphone <laughs> That's around. Right. Just have one mic. Yeah, I'll be like fighting for the mic. <laughs> Any exciting news from you, Nene Monkey? Uh, where did that come from? <laughs> you know when your parents used to be like, like shorten your name and then add like an animal at the end. No. My name wasn't uh, even shortened. That was shortened. Nay, nay. Oh, I thought you said. Oh, Should I? I just feel like <laughs> I'm so used to you guys calling me nay, nay. That that's just that's my just name. Your name. <laughs> You're like that's not a shortened version. True. No. Oh my god, I got something exciting that you can tell. <laughs> what the hydration? Yeah. Yeah. So I can say it. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> So we got a new hydrofacial in the clinic and it's very exciting because it's it's cool. It has all these new cool features. Like, it just looks sick. Yeah. Did you try the gesture control, the non-touch? We actually. Yeah. Oh. It's non-touch. We actually didn't use the, mach- the new machine. Well, I didn't do it on, on Kayla, but. <laughs> yesterday they did. Yeah. yeah. We mm. did yesterday. I feel like we're going to be converted to hydrofacial. Like, you know, I felt like I was underappreciating the machine Mm. and then we obviously did the new updated training and I'm like oh my god there's so many cool things for it yeah I think anytime we get updated training we're just like 
pushing the that thing. The boosters just seem sick. Like yeah. they're doing like a collab with Dior. They did one with J-Lo. And I don't know. They're just cool. They're very cool. I think we need to do updated training for everything. Yes. Just everything. Just all everything. the time. Inside ourselves. All the time. Yeah. It's important. Well, let's get into Breast Basics Complications Part 2. All right. Breast Complications 2. So where we left off last time in my consultation was with infection. The next thing I talk about is changes in sensation, mainly to the nipple, but also to the breast in general. So a lot of people think they're going to get numb nipples and that's just a permanent thing. In reality, it's less than 5% of patients who will lose sensation permanently. Most of the time they get hypersensitivity. So it's actually the opposite of what you might think. The reason for that is because the main nerve to the nipple comes from the lateral part of the breast. And when that nerve gets stretched up by the implant, that stretch causes a, a hypersensitive reaction. Mm -hmm. So that's why they feel it until that tissue relaxes and then everything kind of settles back down to normal. But is it a good hypersensitivity? <laughs> for some it is. It's interesting because some people say they've had numb nipples since breastfeeding and then after they get surgery, that hypersensitivity translates to a normal level of sensitivity, mm. which they enjoy. But for those who already have a normal level, that goes a little bit too heightened and it's like the clothes rub against them, mm. the shower it water. It like a bit painful or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. And so it is annoying for them for the six to eight weeks that it happens. But then when it settles down, then everything's fine again. I actually prefer them to have hypersensitivity because then I know it's going to eventually come back to normal. Whereas if it's numb, it's not always going to come That's back. That's right. Yeah. Right. So as I said, you know, about 5% of patients will lose that sensation. So if they have numbness afterwards, I say, look, you've got a really good chance of it coming back. We just got to wait that few months and gradually we should notice an improvement every time. If we get to six months and there's nothing, then those chances start to get less and less. But it's still, you know, up to one, one and a half years, they can still get that feeling back. It might just be very slow. Is there anything you do to bring it back, like pinch your nipples mm. or like zap them or any, like, you know, <laughs> some kind them. of stimulation? Add, you know, like some EMS on there or something yeah. like that, like bring back <laughs> the nerves. Yeah. There's, there's been actually some research done. People are trying TENS machines mm -hmm. to stimulate that, that nerve regeneration. I don't think they've come up with anything really concrete. Sorry. Yeah, so nothing significant. Using a TENS machine only on post-surgery, would that affect your implants and things like that though? If it's contracting that muscle enough. Which so, it would be, right? So that it's mm. displacing. Yeah. So you'd have to be really careful about where you put it. Yeah. So if you are putting it directly, if it's stimulating directly that pec muscle, then yeah, you're going to have issues with displacement potentially. So I would, I would personally probably prefer a numb nipple as opposed to a displaced implant. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, really, there's, there's no harm in just giving it that time. Yeah. Because nerve tissue is the slowest to grow in the body. So it's, it's just about being patient. Yeah. I feel like a lot of girls like don't care sometimes when they get numb nipples because they just have great boobies. So yeah, <laughs> some people just don't care. Sometimes the risks outweigh the... No. 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 <laughs> What's the saying? It's the other, other way. Oh, sometimes the reward outweighs the risk. Yeah. 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 Got it. I'm adding that to your <laughs> list of sayings. But yeah, I'm actually surprised at how many people say they don't care yeah. about the feeling there. In the nipples. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah. The other part about sensation change is the underside of the breast. So anything below the level of the nipple, often it is going to be numb 
And that's because that's where I've made my incision, cutting through those superficial nerves. And obviously that's gonna disrupt the sensation there. So everyone comes in and they say, oh, I've got a numb patch here. And that's very normal early on. We do rely purely on the nerve regeneration to bring it back. And so that takes quite some time. I say to them, can take up to a year, sometimes can take up to two years. They'll notice that over time that numb patch getting smaller and smaller as the nerves come back. So, so that's a very normal thing. Is it like a numb patch in terms of like when you pinch it, you can't feel it or pins and needles in your foot type of numb? It can be both. Right. So usually it starts off just completely numb. Like you yeah. touch it and you can't feel anything. You could probably feel a little bit of the pressure depending on how hard you press it, but you can't feel that fine sensation. If you're getting pins and needles there, that's usually a good sign that we're, we're getting close to, to normal sensation yeah. again. Mm. I don't think I would appreciate that sensation. That, that would be things. annoying. Yeah. It would be like the process though, though. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. it's like that's kind of your nerves... Yeah, and regenerating. That, that stage probably lasts different durations in different people. Yeah. I have a question, <laughs> but it's not food related. Yeah. It, you can cut this out. But when you get pins and needles in your foot, is mm. that regeneration coming back? What is that? Well, it's not regeneration because you haven't disrupted the nerve, oh. but you've compressed it. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And so you've compressed and when you uncompress it, it comes back. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> So that's the nipple sensation category when I talk about complications. The next thing I move on to, and this is really only for anyone having a lift, is nipple necrosis. So this is probably the most serious complication that you can get with the surgery with a single stage augmentation mastopexy. So that's when you do the implants and the lift all at the same time. And that's where the blood supply to the nipple is compromised. So if that happens, the absolute worst case scenario is you can lose the entire nipple, which is obviously very scary, mm. but because it's so rare, it's one of those things that people just need to, to know about because it can happen, but there's also various stages of it. So you can lose the full thickness nipple, you can lose the top layer, so that's what we call superficial necrosis. You can lose half the nipple. There's different things depending on the blood flow. Yeah, and once you lose your nipple, what can you do to make it look better. So let's say the entire nipple dies off. So we have to remove that necrotic tissue and allow that skin around it to heal. So whether that's via a skin graft or a direct closure or just letting it heal by secondary intention, so letting it heal up on its own over time, what you can do then is create a nipple using a series of skin flaps. And so you've got what looks like a nipple there, and then you can get an areola tattoo around it for the color match. And the results are actually really good with that. You know, mm -hmm. if for the casual observer, you wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah. But then that nipple's non-functional. So if you're looking to breastfeed, if that's something that's very important, you won't be able to do that in that case. Mm. And what about if it's like not as bad as being like fully necrotic? Do you just, is it just the top layer and yeah. then it just comes off? Yeah, so superficial necrosis, you get that flakiness first at the top of skin. It almost looks like dry skin. And then it just sloughs away and you're left with that raw pink skin. Eventually that will heal over. And then, you know, in most cases it just looks normal again. Yeah. It's just about wound care like any other wound. But what happens when I see that happening, that process happening, let's say you're a week after surgery and it's starting to look a bit dusky, like the blood flow is not great. What we do is put cream on there, GTN cream, so glycerol trinitrate, which is a vasodilator that opens up the blood vessels and allows that 
as much blood flow as we can get into that area. Just jumping back, you said that it is the most risk with single stage bare mastos. Why not two-stage bare masters? Does it still happen with that, but it's it, just a lower risk? It can, yes. Yeah. So yeah. there's the things that I look for that increase the risk of nipple necrosis. Number one would be moving that nipple a very far distance. So if the breasts are very saggy, so the further you move the nipple, the more likely there is to be some kind of kink or compression of that blood vessel. The other thing is putting an implant in behind once you've moved the nipple up, putting an implant in because that can then compress the blood yeah. vessel, compress the pedicle that you've created. Is there anything you can do to not compress or uncompress it? Well, one of the things that I do, so if someone is suitable for a single stage, I'm going to limit the implant size. First of all, I don't use ultra high profile because there's more projection there. More projection is going to equal more compression because you've got the distance from the rib cage to the nipple has increased now, so you're going to get more tightness there. So I stick to high profile or moderate profile for a single stage. I also just limit the overall volume, so we're just not going as big. That's fine. What about if they wanted that they were fine with that, and mm -hmm. then you know in a couple of years they wanted to go a bigger implant? Yep. They can do that. Yeah. So once you let's say you do a single stage augmentation mastopexy, everything heals fine, and then three to five years down the track, they want to go, they want to double the size of the implant or maybe not double, but go up significantly. You can do that because in most cases, you're not going to be redoing the lift. By then you've had more collateral vessels form. So the blood supply to the nipple is fine. So I'm not, it becomes more like just a straightforward remove and replace at that point. Yeah. And can you get necrosis just on the nipple or can you get it like, you know, the anchor scar or the, even the BAM scar like underneath? Yep. So you can get necrosis anywhere there's a skin flap. And so because the microcirculation is so important, usually that is gonna happen at the T-junction, you know, where the vertical and horizontal scars meet under the breast. So that's the second place where you can get necrosis. And that usually results in, not so much in like black and necrotic skin as you would see in the nipple, but just wound breakdown. So it just doesn't heal and splits apart then. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so lots of different ways to I guess, treat these things, but I guess the most important thing is prevention. So it's about trying to do your best to not let it happen. But then if it does happen, getting on top of it, getting yeah. on top of it so as fast as possible. Is there anyone that's a higher risk of, I know you said obviously surgical wise, like if they have a lot of skin, but what about smokers, drugs and things like yep, that? Absolutely. So I think we've mentioned this previously, but smoking affects the microcirculation above Does all. that include vaping? That includes vaping, I yeah. feel like a lot of people, I think we've spoken about yeah. this before, but yeah. people just don't seem to understand that vaping and smoking are just as bad as They're each They're just other. as bad, yeah. And just because it's called something else, just because potentially there's no nicotine in that vape, those chemicals are affecting the, the vasculature. And, and mm -hmm. if you don't have enough blood flow, you're going to get necrosis. You're not going to heal as well. You're going to scar poorly. So all of that stuff is affected by smoking and vaping. Smoking weed as well. I mean, we don't know what's in that yeah. in, in most cases. <laughs> most you know? of the time it's mixed, right? <laughs> That's yeah. right, yeah. So, And a lot of people put nicotine in it also. Yeah. So, mm. you know, it come, comes right back to the, the original source. Cool. Mm. What's the next one? So the next thing that I move on to from there, after all that, you know, dark, scary talk, is breastfeeding. Because breastfeeding is something that a lot of people want to do after having surgery. There's a lot of rumors floating around about, 
you know, people say if you have breast surgery, breast implant surgery, you can't breastfeed at all. Why so, is that such a, I feel like it's such a common misconception that people have is yeah. that you can't breastfeed if you have implants. Why is that? I think it's because people don't understand the anatomy and you have some very vocal people out there who, number one, don't understand the anatomy. Number two, want to sensationalize something based on their misunderstanding of mm. that anatomy. Yeah. So essentially another thing that I've heard is if you go in front of the muscle, you can't breastfeed. If you go under, you can. And but it doesn't matter. It doesn't no, matter. it doesn't matter at all because no matter which plane you use, you should not be getting into the breast ducts and the breast glands. So the dissection just shouldn't go there. Okay, but is there still potentially a risk of not being able to breastfeed? There's always a risk. And the problem is if you have surgery and you can't breastfeed afterwards, you don't know if, if it's, it's surgery or, surgery or yeah. maybe you couldn't breastfeed anyway. Yeah, because a lot of women can't actually breastfeed and including those that don't have implants. Mm, yeah. That's right, yeah. When it comes to lifts, it's a slightly different story because you are cutting through some of the ducts there. You're removing some of the glandular tissue. So I always say, because I try to preserve as much of it as possible, I say your milk supply definitely is going to be reduced. It's not going to stop you completely from breastfeeding. The implant component, definitely not. The lift component is the one that is a, you know, could do it, couldn't do it. So we're not sure. But but in most cases, it's really just reduction of milk supply. What about, I don't know if this is a thing that I've made up or if I've seen it, but breastfeeding, like the, you know, people when they talk about breast implant illness, yeah. are they going to pass that on to their baby? There's a lot to unpack in that question. <laughs> So, You're like, that's a dumb question. So, so do you mean, are they going to pass the breast implant illness onto their baby or are they going to pass the implant? The implant? <laughs> no, are they gonna, well, two things. Are they going to pass the breast implant illness on? And if they get a rupture, are they going to get silicon into their milk and pass silicon into their baby? Okay. Let's talk about the rupture silicon thing first, because I think that's probably the easiest one to address. Logical. Yeah. So nowadays what you have are cohesive gel implants. So what they call gummy bear or Turkish delight. And we talked about those two terms and, and what that means. So you've got a semi-solid silicon that when it ruptures, it's gonna remain contained within the capsule. So if you think about it, ruptured implant, and then you've got a capsule surrounding the whole thing, and then surrounding that is the breast tissue. So you've basically got a layer of protection from that silicon getting out into the system. So the short answer is no, that silicon's not going to pass into the breast milk and, and into the baby. Okay. Long answer or there is no long answer? There, there really is oh. no long answer. That was kind of well, the, the whole long answer. the implants that are like liquidy? Yep. So the liquid, the saline. old Scott. Saline. Oh, oh, liquid, sorry, saline implants. That saline, when they rupture, that's just going to get out into your system and, mm. and be absorbed very quickly. So, so, And even if it does end up passing into the breast milk, it's just salt water. Right. Mm. So there's no real... Okay. No. What about breast implant illness? I think this might have been a silly question for me. Is this even a question that you can answer? Well... Like is this like that? a whole topic? It's it's, it's a, a whole, whole topic. Uh, well, I, can, yeah. I can talk about it. I can talk about it and maybe we can revisit it when we continue down the funnel of, of funnel breast, of breast yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> but breast implant illness, so obviously a lot of contention around breast implant illness. Is it real? Is it not real? At the moment most people understand that it's not recognized as a medical disorder. The symptoms that people describe are very vague. And I think we've 
actually looked at the entire list before and thought we, we probably all, all have breast <laughs> implants. <on this. laughs> none of us have implants, but we all have those symptoms, literally. Brain but fog, fr- fatigue. Couldn't that be thing like just symptoms for a lot of conditions Anything. too? Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. it's what they call a diagnosis of exclusion whereby they can't find any other cause for these things. And then if the patient happens to have breast implants, then like, you right. got it. it's breast yeah. implant illness. So, okay. But a lot of patients too, they don't bother going down that whole investigatory pathway. They have breast implants. They have these things. They talk to people on the forums and then they, th- they decide that they have breast implant illness. So then they want to get them out. And that's fine. You know, we're not going to argue with people and say, no, you have to keep them in. This is not causing your symptoms because in a lot of cases, I do believe the symptoms are real, but I don't know that it's the implants that have brought them on. I think in a lot of cases, what I've noticed in my patients who have had so-called breast implant illness is they have either a very strong history of autoimmune disease or a strong family history. And I think that all of these things may have manifested eventually, but the silicon may have been just a trigger right. for them. Mm. So I can say, you know, I've had five patients come for explant because of breast implant illness symptoms. Four of them had resolution in the recovery area of the hospital. Oh, so you think it's a bit of like a mind? Over so I, I'm sure that there's some element yeah. as well mm-hmm. psychologically because I feel like that's just very fast yeah. to recover. Yeah. But then again, one of them didn't have resolution of yeah. her symptoms. And so yeah. obviously there was something else going on there. <laughs> yeah. no, she, she hasn't gotten the back end yet. <laughs> sometimes I think, yeah, even if that, like, you know, they got their explant and they felt better, like good on them. Like, you know, sometimes the placebo effect is just well, yeah, what you I mean, need. If, if it works, then, yeah. then that's fantastic. And so that's why I'm not going to argue. I'm not yeah. going to say don't. Don't get yeah. them out because if it helps, it helps. Exactly. Yeah. I'm done with my questions on that one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll do a, a deeper dive a into deep rest dive. of the illness. I would love that. Yeah. So other complications. Now, this is where I'm going to open it up to you guys because this is at this point in the consultation, I usually ask, do you have any questions? And this is where people will ask questions, usually based on their own life in terms of what they do for a job or what they do for physical activity and there's often a lot of questions that I get asked and I'm like, wow, I would never have even thought to to consider that. Mm-hmm. But is there anything that you guys have come across? I feel like I ask you so many questions on the daily that I can't think of anything. But my biggest ones that I feel like I hear or that I would is like returning to exercise as you normally would. Yeah. Did we ever cover that? No. I feel like a, there's a lot of misconception that you can go back to doing the exact same thing. And I just don't think that's realistic in my opinion, but I'm not a doctor, so I'm not sure. I think a lot of doctors have different opinions on the return to exercise. You know, some, and we've heard of just some recently who some surgeons say you can basically go back to exercise straight away. No, the biggest shock to me was you can go in a spa bath at <laughs> week yeah. two, three. I almost fell off my chair. Did we talk about this? I think we did. Yeah, oh, yeah. Last one. Yeah. Yeah. I was shocked to my core, but that's okay. Mm. But you have patients, or sorry, so you have surgeons who say you don't need to wear a post-op bra. You can go back to exercise whenever you want to. And I don't know what kind of issues those patients have after that advice, but what I've seen is that you really have to ensure that the internal healing has taken place before you do anything physical because you're going to contract that pec muscle. As we spoke about before, initially there's nothing holding it in. And so if you flex your pec, it's going to push the implant out 
to the path of least resistance, either out to the side or down. And so I think returning to gym early is just, you're just asking for trouble there. Not only that, but there's also a higher risk of infection. Like, you know, if you're sweating and getting, you know, dirty. dirty. Well, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> if, if your wounds aren't completely healed yeah. and then you're sweating at the gym, not only have you got the risk of displacement, you've got the risk of infection. And also, didn't you say your capsule doesn't form until how long? Yeah, so at three months, there's a, a visible capsule there. At six months, there's what I call a usable capsule. So it's, right. it's strong. Yeah. So typically you should be careful, like, you know, relatively careful up until six months post-breast augmentation. Yeah, so if you're a power lifter, for instance, or if you're doing anything high impact, I would say you're going to wait till that six-month mark, ideally. high impact? So if you're doing martial arts, if you're a, a mixed martial arts fighter, if you're doing Muay Thai or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. CrossFit. CrossFit as well, very high What impact. about pole dancing? Pole dancing, I generally say three months for that. Yeah. So that's okay. And also you that's not a hard and fast rule. You have to be guided by your comfort level because yeah. if you get to three months and you think, all right, I can do whatever I want, and you try something and it feels uncomfortable or it's painful – that means you need more time. Yeah. yeah, pull back a little. Yeah, but I think a lot of people want to push through that pain because that's kind of gym culture, right? It's like yeah. push through mm, the pain. Yeah, pain not, is good. Not this yeah. pain. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have another question. Yeah. Post-op bra. Mm -hmm. I feel like for my friends, like a lot of my friends have, you know, breast surgery. They think that, that you can just whip off your post-op bra at six weeks and go braless forever. Like, no. <laughs> no, no. No. Gravity still happens. The more, the longer you wear your post-up bra, if you wear that for the rest of your life, I feel like compared to someone that doesn't, yeah. you'll have a longer last, well, in my opinion, a longer yeah. lasting result. Yeah. And so gravity is always working. We know that. And uh, there was actually a story many years ago about Holly Berry. And she said she, so she doesn't have implants, but she said she wears a bra all the time, every Jesus night to Christ. bed. And I don't. that's the reason why her breasts have remained perky through the years. And, you know, she's in her 50s now and looks great. I thought that it was the opposite. Oh, yeah, I thought you weren't allowed to wear a bra to bed. Or like allowed. <laughs> like like what kind of bra? I was in like, I, I know a sport, like a post-up bra, yeah, because it has no underwire. Yeah, not, not like mm. an underwire bra, yeah. but yeah. like Something essentially that, some kind of support. Some support, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't wear a bra on no, the, during the day, let alone at night. <laughs> <laughs> so how about like sleeping? I feel like a lot of people when I do their dressing changes have asked me about when can they like sleep on their side or like yeah. they've said that they're a tummy sleeper and then they've been sleeping on their back and they find it so weird. Like, yeah. And like massage, like yeah. when, what, what are your so advice? With sleeping, what I like is for people to sleep slightly elevated, 45 degrees and that's what I say to them, 45 degrees, you know, maybe a couple of pillows propping you up, but somehow that's translated to sleeping bolt right. upright. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> and yeah. then people complain about soreness and, and I don't know where that's come from. It's probably some, someone giving advice yeah. on a forum, but 45 degrees is for the first week. And that's just for swelling purposes, because if you're lying flat, you're going to swell more. Mm. You want to make your body dependent so that it, the swelling flows out. And then from week two, you can lie flat on your back. And from week three onward, you can go on your side, again, based on your comfort level, because sleeping on your side might still be a little bit sore at that stage. And I've had people come back and tell me, I tried it week three to sleep on my side. It was a bit sore. 
And so then they had to go back into their back for a little while. But also sleeping on your back is what you're supposed to do anyway because it prevents facial lines, chest lines and, you know. Yes, <laughs> the, there's other benefits There's as well. other benefits. <laughs> if you want to look great forever, sleep on your back. And so tummy sleeping, I like to wait until six months for patients to do that. And that's purely because if you're sleeping on your front, and this goes for face down massage as well, you're putting a lot of pressure on the center of your chest. And if there's pressure there, that's pushing the implants yeah. out to the side. It's, it's essentially like flexing that pec muscle. Do you know what someone should create? A bed for people with boob jobs where it's just like dug out where your boobs would lay. I've had this thought. How good would Doesn't that, that be? Exist? Oh, does it? I feel like I've seen a bed that has like, like separation. Line. That would be lines. really good. Hmm. I've oh, actually seen the bed for your arm. Or for like pregnancy massage where they can lie down and yeah. there's like a, belly. a hole oh. in the middle. Oh, they should get one to like, yeah, boobs. Guys, maybe we should make a business. We just make holes in beds. Boob beds. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we call BB. Beauty uncut beds. <laughs> All right. What about tattoos and piercings? In particular, piercings on your nipples. So nipple piercings, obviously very common. I see that a lot. And so obviously if, if I'm doing a lift, that piercing has to come out because I'm cutting around the nipple. There's a lot of, of manipulation there. So I don't want piercing to get in the way. In a straightforward augmentation, I like the metal bars to either be taken out, ideally taken out, or they can be replaced with a plastic bar. However, that plastic bar then has to remain in for three months after the surgery before changing back to to metal. And the reason for that is because you're, when you're taking a piercing in and out, you're obviously introducing more bacteria. bacteria in. And so that can lead to infection. What about piercing after having an augmentation or any kind of breast yep. surgery? So piercing in the breast area, you mean, or anywhere? Um, in the breast area in particular. Yep. So in the breast area, I would say three months. It's usually three months for most things involving the breast where you're piercing the skin or... Is that because if there was to be an infection... Yeah then you can get an infection in the capsule. Like what is That's that? That's it. So I want that that internal healing relatively complete before doing anything else. So yeah. let's say they do get a cellulitis from a piercing or even from a tattoo, then at least there's some level of protection before it gets to the implant. implant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about tattoos? Tattoos, I would say three months Same as thing. well. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I feel like we should wrap that segment up there. I feel like that's a lot of information for mm. breast complications part two. Part two. If you have any questions, please feel free to leave it in our Instagram. That was so quick. <laughs> All right. Let's do our segment of Broke and Bougie SPF edition today. Do we want to start with me? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we always start with you. <laughs> so my favorite Broke edition is a Korean SPF. So I actually don't think it's TGA approved here in Australia. So if you want to get it, you might have to fly to Korea or have someone that flies to Korea for you. But it is the Beauty of Dosan Relief Sun something rice something. I don't remember. Cool. The, I'll look it up. <laughs> I don't remember the full name, but super cheap. I think it's like but wherever you go, it's between ten to twenty dollars. That's wow. mine. Your turn, Nene. Okay, my favorite broke SPF is the Round Lab. Birch Juice Moisturizing Sun Cream. My That's friend. That's also a Korean bear, bear, bear <laughs> brand. Korean band. <laughs> it is. Yeah. My friend who's from Korea, she actually got it for me and I've been using it for 
like two months and when I've been you, using... I'm actually really upset that you didn't tell me about this. I swear I did. You didn't. Okay, well, I've been using <laughs> it. But I've been using it like... I've been like double sunscreening and I've been using this and then I would do my bougie SPF on top, which I'll tell you later. Yeah. No, you haven't told me. And mm. it is going wild on TikTok at really? the moment. The beauty of Jasan and the Round Lab SPF, viral. Right. It's really nice. Don't so worry. You double, you you double SPF. I double SPF. She'll tell mm-hmm. us in her next I can't product wait. why. In the Korean edition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's your bougie one my i mean sorry one. sorry okay. <laughs> what's your broke one Ian? okay so my broke spf is from a company called airy day and they've got a, a wide range of different sunscreens i had to look up the one that i use it's called clear as day dream screen so it's actually a clear cream that goes on it's like a gel and i love it because it's not greasy at all which is a problem i have with a lot of sunscreens and it just what they say is a satin finish. I guess that's a good way to describe it. So your skin feels really smooth after putting it on. I just don't feel any that heaviness or residue. Yeah, Love you've that. actually been raving about that since they sent you some yeah. of the products to try it. That is... And no one else has tried it. <laughs> I really want to try it. Me too. Is it tinted? No, it's just they it's do clear. Have, they they, have they, they, they do have a tinted yeah. one. Yeah. Um, they okay. have like, I actually think it's probably the most versatile SPF range. range. Yeah. Apart from ultraviolet, I think they're kind of on par. They have yep. so many different types of SPFs. Ooh. The mini, how much is that one? So the mini is $13. $13 and that's what? Oh, wow. That's 10 mil. So it's cheap. a 10 mil. And I've been using it for a little while. Yeah. I don't use that particular one every day because I've been alternating with other things, but it's lasted a long time. And then the full size for 75 mils, I think it's about 49. So yeah. still relatively good, I would say. That's pretty good. Yeah. Good value. Yeah. yeah. Well, my bougie one, and in comparison, it's the same price as your broke one, broke one. <laughs> is the Ultraviolet Queen Screen SPF 50. So when we first started the podcast, I actually spoke about the tinted version of it and I loved it. Then I ran out and I tried the Queen one. So good. Makes my skin look so glowy. It feels hydrating. I really just love it. There's nothing more I can say. How would you compare it to the tinted? Because I've been using the tinted. The and tinted I really one like is great because it obviously adds a tint, but I find it's a little bit thicker and a bit more sticky. Mm-hmm. Whereas I find the queen one, I actually forgot the name of it, whatever it's called. Queen screen. Queen screen. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> queen is, screen. Yeah, like lightweight, but glowy, but a healthy glow. Mm. So like more hydrating. Yeah, more hydrating. Nice. Okay, well... My bougie sunscreen is the Go Glow by Reagan Skin. I've probably said this before on the I think podcast. you have, yeah. yeah you love that. Yeah. I do love that. I wear it like every day and I don't wear foundation anymore. I just wear that. Right. How much is that one? It is $149. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. On to you for your bougie product. I feel like this is how it goes. I feel like I choose the most broke products. You choose the most moderate products and Ian chooses the most bougie products. (laughs) I don't have anything else. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So my bougie product is the Rationale Number 3 Tinted Serum SPF 50+. plus. Love that SPF. I've been using it for a while. Yeah, I think so you guys good. have been using it as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it does have a heavy price tag of what is it like one eighty two? One eighty two. Yeah, but in saying that, I think it's worth every penny. Yeah, I remember the first time I tried it, and I was like, "This is the best sunscreen I've ever, yeah. ever used." Yeah, so good if you have the budget for it. Hundred percent recommend. Makes your yeah. skin look great. Yeah. yeah. The only my only complaint is that sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit shiny with it. 
Oh, see, I love. Mm. That. But you guys like you guys like that, so it just depends yeah. on the mood. Yeah, yeah. I think that's also a good alternative. You know how you're saying like it, with the Reagan one, you don't have to wear makeup. Yeah. Same with the, the Rationale one, you don't have to wear makeup because your skin just looks so healthy and glowy. Yeah. yeah. And I like with the Rationale one, it's skincare and SPF. And it's SPF, not yeah. just an SPF. Yeah. Mm. And I like when I was doing a regular highlights. And then I would put that on afterwards and I felt like my face just looked really good. Yeah. For that short period of time. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap up today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow us on our socials. All the information will be in the description and make sure to leave us a review, five stars only, and we will see you in our next podcast. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>